are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your lovely, handsome host, Lidor Dayan. And in today's episode, I talk to a very interesting and charming man. Some of you might know him from Real Social Dynamic. He is Todd Valentine. Todd is an expert on how to become successful with women. I'm sure you can learn a lot from this interview, so please take some notes because listening is just not going to make you follow through. Trust me, I know this from years of practice. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's begin the interview. So, first of all, thank you very much for uh, being in my podcast. Truly an honor. So I was waiting for this call for a long time and uh, I'm sure we can get a really good interview out of this. So please uh, introduce yourself. Right, so um, I basically am a guy who, when I was 18 years old, um, was really bad with girls. Um, I didn't know what I was doing uh, and I, I never had a girlfriend. So I went to college and I said, this needs to, this needs to change, this needs to be fixed. Uh, and so I started essentially just talking to any and every girl I could on my college campus and, and figuring out um, how to you know communicate effectively, how to be charming, how to um, make girls like you, so to speak. Uh, and I, I never really intended that to become a, a career. Uh, I just wanted to you know have a girlfriend. But uh, I got very good at it, and, and I'm very methodical about what I do. So when I do something, I, I create a system for it. I, I understand you know the why of it. Um, and so in doing that and then in meeting with some of the right people, um, I kind of turned that into to a business. So for the last 15 years or so, I've been essentially teaching guys how to be successful with girls, how to um, you know, portray themselves in their best way, how to understand female psychology and know, um, know what the girl really wants, how to, and the interesting thing about that, the interesting thing about being uh, attractive with women is that at first guys think it's a technique, you know, I learned the right pickup line, I learned the right thing to say, but women are very perceptive, and essentially in order to become that best person with women, you're kind of forced to become your best person in life. I mean, it forces you to, to want to succeed in business, it forces you to want to, to look better and, and get more fit, um, it forces you to become more interesting and have hobbies in a life that you love, and so it all blossoms into uh, a lot of type, sort of like self-helpy type stuff, and a lot of kind of improving your life organically. Um, kind of stuff. So, um, so I teach a lot of that as well nowadays. That's uh, that's awesome because I see so many uh, guys, and I can tell for myself when I uh, build my body and my physique. Everybody thought that ah, you are you have the perfect body, so you can have uh, all the women in the world. But bo- you and I know that body is the the last thing that women like uh, really see as something it's maybe it attract them for just a second but uh, how you talk to them is how you are going to actually communicate so i see for myself that uh, when i'm approaching to women and the first five minutes it's really hard for me and most of the time I will just have a story in my head that okay you you're not that attractive to this woman or I, I try to to tell myself something so I can feel better instead of just confronting the women right and it's something that's been with me for years and years and years and I just can't get out of this so for all these guys that has these issues with their self, with themselves how can you uh, actually do the necessary and not be a servant to your fear? Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of guys have a very, um, I don't want to say wrong, but I'll say unhelpful view of um, what women are sort of in life and what, what skills with women mean, right? Because um, culturally, we're, we're kind of like every guy wants to believe um, that he could like win a fight and pick up a chick, right? Those are like very manly, manly things to be able to do. And the idea that maybe you, you don't have the skills to pick up a girl, that, that's hard to come, come to grips with. That's actually why a lot of guys will be bad with women and they'll never seek help, 
is because they don't want to even admit to themselves that they, you know, they're not the best with women, right? So the fundamental issue, though, is guys are giving the girl a lot of power. They're giving the girl the power to decide whether they're a cool guy or they're a successful guy. Whereas, really, if you walk up to a random girl and she likes you, that doesn't fundamentally change who you are as a guy. If you walk up to a random girl and she doesn't like you, it doesn't fundamentally change who you are as a guy. Like, who you are as a guy is what you've built over years and years of, you know, habits and education and, you know, all the different things that you're doing. I mean, one girl's perception really doesn't change that, right? But because we have this ego of I want to be good with girls, we let that that make a difference. Right, you just have to kind of, like, get rid of that and say, you know what, I am where I am. It's okay if I haven't necessarily learned this yet. It is a skill. I can learn it. And when I, once I have learned it, I will have that abundance. Right? But you have, to, you have to embrace the process and realize every single thing you've learned at, you failed at. Right? When you learn to walk, you, you crawled and you fell on your face. And then you walked and you fell on your face. And eventually you learned to walk. Imagine if the first time that you, you know, went out to go learn to walk, you're like, oh, I fell once, I quit. Right? You'd never actually get anywhere in life. Um, and so the, the key thing is to not treat that one interaction as so important. To, to have a little perspective and understand that there are hundreds of millions of beautiful women in the world, literally, like like top top tier, incredible, insanely beautiful women. There are literally hundreds of millions of them. And so you're not going to like run out of girls you can meet in your life. You're not going to one, one girl rejecting you doesn't mean you're a failure with women. Um, what makes you a failure with women is if you never learn the skill, yeah. right? If you never step up and get there. Um, and so you have to really think about what is a rejection. For me, a rejection is it's premature success, right? If I go and I get rejected and I learn something from it, I'm a better person for having had that happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas the typical guy, he walks up, he's like, well, I got rejected. Now I'm a worse human being. I'm a worse man. I'm not as alpha or as cool or, or whatever as I thought, right? So you kind of have to distance like your self-perception from like, if I'm good with girls, I'm a good person. That's not true. Mm-hmm. right it's just a skill like any other and if you want to learn the skill you can pretty much anybody can yeah. you yeah. have to put your ego aside to do it though you're you're absolutely right that what you are telling is uh, uh, see it as uh, it's a, a procedure as how you see a rejection right so if you you change how you see rejection then you automatically can do what you uh, in the past thought it's something that's impossible to do and let's talk a little bit about leverage because as, as humans we need to get ourselves leverage in order to do something right so uh-huh. i want to ask you did you start with youtube for example for example as a leverage so you can face your own fears in the beginning so i started doing le- like you mean being on youtube and, and yeah. doing a chat that kind of stuff um, no, I started, I started youtube because i i had to right i was um i was running a business and i needed i needed to to let more people know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just, it was, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not a natural public speaker. Um, I was a little, um, it's not my, it wasn't my favorite thing to actually enjoy it now. But when I first started, I was very, very nervous. Uh, the first time I ever did a speech, uh, it was a three hour speech in Las Vegas. And um, I basically had no choice but to do it because I was being paid a lot to do it. And I would have, it would have been silly for me to say no to that kind of money, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I was terrified. I was so scared. It was a three-hour speech. I was scared I was going to talk for an hour, and then I'd run out of things to say, and I'd just be like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm done. What else? Uh, and it was, it was terrifying. Um, but a, a good mentor of mine, he gave me some really good advice, and here's what he said. He said, the reason why you're nervous is because you know the speech you're capable of. You know you could make, if you put the right time in, the right effort, and really, really planned it, and, and you, you were you know, a polished speaker, you could make a speech that's 10 out of 10 good, right? Mm-hmm. And you're comparing the speech you're about to give to that 10 out of 10 speech, and it's not a 10 out of 10, and that's why you're nervous, right? What you have to realize, though, is you have a lot of value to offer. You have these skills, these techniques, this information to share, and even if your speech isn't 10 out of 10, the people in the audience are going to learn from it, and they're going to be better for having heard it. So right now, you can give the speech you can give. Maybe you can't give a 10 out of 10 speech right now, but you can give the speech you can give, and the people in the audience are going to love that speech, and they're going to learn from that speech, and they're going to be better for having heard that speech. So it's really up to you. Do you want to give them that speech that will benefit them and help them, or do you want to deny that to them? Yes. Right. And looking at it that way, instead of thinking about like comparing what you're doing to all the things you could be doing, compare what you're doing. Just is what I'm doing offering value. If what I'm doing is offering value, if what I'm doing is providing a benefit to people, if it's if it's if it's doing something positive, let's just do it. And by doing it, you learn. Right. Whereas again, if I'm trying to do that 10 out of 10 speech. And in not doing the 10 out of 10 speech, I never speak, and I never become a better speaker, I never will do the 10 out of 10 speech. Yes. Right? And so 
it's kind of a, a thing where you you kind of have to let good enough be good enough, and of course you give your best. Of course, every single time you go out, you give the absolute best you can, yes. But if your best isn't world-class yet, that's fine, because life's a learning progression, right? And the only way to get to world-class is to do those incremental steps on the way there. It's not like um, when Michael Jordan picked up a basketball, he played amazingly the first time, right? In order to get to world-class, he had to just play the best he could in middle school, high school, college, and all the way up. Um, and so for me, it was, it was kind of a... Um, well, one, I didn't have a choice. Like, I, it was it was well worth it. I, was, I had the right motivation. But beyond that, it was just, look, I'm going to do good enough. I'm going to do the best I can. It'll be good enough. And then I'll get better each and every day. Yeah. And um, I, I think that uh, also what you say to yourself before you actually do something, it's so important because we use uh, our vocabulary. is so important. It's like... If you are uh, going to the stage and you have a presentation you need to do for a thousand of people and you say, oh, I'm so nervous, I'm so stressed, then this makes this even worse, right? So uh, what I learned from all the techniques that uh, Tony Robbins uh, uh, stuff and he said that if you want to uh, get into less stress, so you got to use uh, words that as less... Uh, meaning like the, instead of being stressed then i'm peeved or something like that something that is uh, loose so it can really make it uh, much uh, uh, better so you can actually feel better so yeah. uh, i want to ask you for for all the years that you've been doing this do you think that you are like okay this is starting to get get really boring and i i want uh, a real love in my life Uh, okay, so that's an interesting question. So to me, the game is the game is very rich um, because every girl you meet is, is different. Every situation is different, and even de a decade in, like you could say I'm like a master of the game. You could say because I can I can go out and I can pick up a girl very very easily compared to a normal guy. Mm -hmm. But I look at it as like um, if if um, I was going to do things something with my hands which you can't see, but if, if zero is where a normal guy is in game and like ten is where I am in game, a hundred is what's possible in game. Right? So there's so much more to learn that we barely even touched on. And when I go out, I still think of myself as a beginner. I still think of myself as learning and growing every single time. So in that sense, the game never gets tired. But that said, um, relationships, yes. I think um, uh, I, I think as human beings, we do naturally crave relationships. We do naturally want to be in relationships. Um, and so throughout my time in game, it's not like I just hook up and have one-night stands. Um, I consistently was dating you know, a few different girls. Some of them would be deep relationships. And a lot of people don't know this about me, but over the last four years, I've actually had um, a serious relationship. Um, we have open relationship. We see other people, etc. Um, and she's bisexual, so we do threesomes, all that kind of stuff. But I actually have a child now. I have a, I have a little baby boy um, from my relationship and that kind of stuff, too. So um, I think relationships are a beautiful thing. Um, I just think that I think a lot of guys, when they get into relationships, they get into relationships because they settled. Because they were afraid they couldn't get another girl, and they just took kind of the first girl that would have them. I think the right way to get into a relationship is to, to become abundant, to know that you know you can have the type of girls in your life that you want, date a bunch of girls, know what you really like, and then you pick one. And that way you get into a relationship that you chose as opposed to a relationship that just kind of happened to you. Um, and also you go into the relationship knowing that if the relationship were to fail, you could find another girl. So you're not desperate or needy in the relationship. Right? And I think when you're in a relationship, you're desperate and needy. That's when you get walked all over. That's when you end up in, in a negative relationship where you feel trapped. When you go into a relationship where you, you really did choose the girl and she really is the one most compatible with you, that's when you're going to be in a happier relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's your opinion about uh, masculinity versus feminine uh, guys? Because there are so many guys that uh, develop uh, an habit to be more feminine. And uh, as we all know... Uh, Mus more, if, if you are more masculine and you show your masculinity that you are a man, that women more attracted to you, right? It can be from eye contact and all of this stuff. So how, how can you really change it or uh, not uh, be more feminine or is it good to be feminine guy? It's an interesting question, and I think that people define masculine and feminine in different ways, um, so it really depends on your definition, but I will say yes, um, the, the traits that do tend to be more masculine do tend to be more attractive, right? On a physical level, having good muscle definition and like, you know, the masculine physique 
is more attractive than having um, you know feminine physique, at least to a point. Like mm-hmm. so there, there, there's there's a limit to that, but definitely the more masculine physique um, does things. Things like having a beard, um, other traits that are clearly male, um, has have been shown to be attractive to women. So definitely, women are attracted to men, and women are attracted to the more male traits. Um, in particular, I think women are attracted to the the more. Um, you can do that. I'll change like for a second, masculine to like assertive and dominant, which, which is definitely associated with masculine. Mm-hmm. Assertive and dominant um, social traits are very, very attractive to women. Does that make sense? So like Again, again, what did you say? What's that? You said socially? Yeah, socially. Okay. So being, being, like you could call it being socially masculine or you could call it being assertive and dominant socially. Mm-hmm. That's very, very attractive. So if you're in a group of, of, of men and women, are you the one speaking up or are you the one sitting back not making like being a wallflower and not not making a scene at all, right? If you're the one speaking up and being a leader, that draws attention to you in a very positive way, and girls will respond to that, right? Um, if when you speak, if you speak with confidence and you expect people to listen to you, women are drawn to that. Whereas if you're like very timid, excuse me, can you maybe like maybe acknowledge me when you're really quiet and timid, girls don't acknowledge that, right? And so um, that's another form of of trait that that women respond to a lot, and I think that's one that guys overlook. Right, because guys think that being being masculine just means like being like rugged physique, or uh, even being like violent or something like that, or willing to be aggressive. Um, but it's it's it, it's a lot of social traits as well um, that that I think are very masculine. It's being a leader. It's um, when you say something, saying it with assurance. It's um, when when you when you believe something and somebody believes something else, how quickly or or do you give in to their belief, or are you willing to stand up for your own beliefs? Those are very very attractive traits to women, and I think those are traits that that are a lot of times associated with, with masculinity and with strength and those kind of things. Um, so I think those can be very, very positive as well, as well as obviously the, the physically masculine traits um, and as well as, um, you know, things that, that strike as particularly male. So, yeah, I'd say on average, um, the things that are masculine are more attractive um, to women, but not it's, – it's, it's not universal. There are guys that can be very feminine on the surface but also be attractive. Like I've seen – for example, club promoters that are very like dressed up in a nice suit, very dandy, their hair is all done perfectly, um, and they, they would seem very feminine in that sense. But they're very masculine in another way, in the sense that they're assertive, that within that environment of the club, they're a leader, and so they're in charge of something. Uh, people are looking to them um, for for information, advice, right? So there there's another sort of leadership or dominant quality about them. And what what do you think about uh, because? When you interact with women or any other person, it's all about uh, know uh, how to connect with people better and be a better communicator. So uh, if there is a girl that's in front of you, you gotta understand uh, what type of uh, person she is. Like, is she more visual person, auditory or kinesthetic? Because this is also important, right? Because if she is uh, very shy and kinesthetic and you come really masculine, that's can get her like don't want you right yeah um so what i always teach guys is there's sort of like there are certain traits that are almost always attractive to women right the the, the things we talked about being um socially assertive dominant masculine th- those tend to be the, the most attractive traits however every girl has had a different life experience mm-hmm. right so for some girls um they'll really really want that kind of guy for some girls they may be intimidated by that kind of guy or for some cultures um, what's considered um, an attractive male quality in their culture is a little bit different. Um, so usually when I walk up to a girl, I'm going to, if there's not other information present, I'm going to assume she likes the standard attractive male. But then as soon as she's acting a little timid, I might soften it a little bit. I might be a little nicer, a little more complimentary. Um, I might take things a little slower. If the girl's suddenly like being really feisty and like really um, like a lot of like uh, aggressive um, talking back, then in that case I might take it up a notch even and um, be even more sort of dominant, even more uh, like in her face a little bit back. So yeah, I'm doing it's called, we, we call calibrating, right? You're, you're, you're um, adjusting to the particular girl in front of you. Um, I think that's a huge part of game. In fact, um, guys who are like guys who get really, really good with girls, that becomes the main thing they're doing is they're going in and, and they're mainly focusing on the girl and mainly focusing on what is this particular girl, what is she thinking, where does she come from, what does she need, what is she feeling. Um, and that's the thing that, that differentiates them from the guy that's just like kind of so-so with girls. So I think, yeah, definitely adjusting is huge. Yeah, it's like I can give, for example, a uh, couple of months ago I was in the gym and I saw 
an Asian woman there and say okay let's try to talk with her so I come and uh, wait until she's uh, finished with her uh, hub workout and I said excuse me and she was looking at me and she was like don't talk to me and like you like that like oh, what the fuck <laughs> what happened I said I don't want to talk to you go away so how, how you deal with this kind of stuff that women can go crazy a little yeah um, so I'll say that no matter no matter how good you get every now and again you'll get an unpredictable reaction mm -hmm. right every every now and again you're kind of you're kind of playing the odds right if you do the right thing then the majority of women will respond positively a few girls won't um, and when when a girl doesn't respond when I'm because what you did was very friendly right you're like hi excuse me you didn't say like you didn't say anything negative you weren't even that sexual um, to me when you say something positive to someone and they react very negatively I look at it as like there's something defective in them. Does that make sense? That, like, mm -hmm. as in, like, you were socially nice, you gave them an opportunity to meet a great guy, um, and they were unwilling or unable to recognize that opportunity. Well, honestly, I feel a little sorry for them. Mm -hmm. I feel a little sorry for her because she missed out on the opportunity to meet you. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so that's the way I think about that mentally, right? Because you truly, ideally, were offering value. You're saying, hey, here's a cool guy. Hey, he's willing to offer, you know, you to be in his life and, and, and meet him and have a great experience. Um, it's really offering value. So I, I take that as, as like her loss kind of. Um, in terms of the particulars of how to make um, each interaction work better though, um, certainly you mentioned like Asian girl, certainly in, um, in Eastern culture, it is a bit of a less assertive culture. It's more of a, a, there's a little more like manners and decorum and respect and that kind of stuff. So um, in, in that case, you might assume walking over if she seems very, very Asian, um, you might assume that maybe a softer, nicer, kinder approach would work. Which, by the way, your approach wasn't mean by any means there. Like, they, you said, excuse me, all that kind of stuff. But again, toning it down might work on a higher percentage than, like, being very aggressive with a girl who's, who's from an Eastern culture. So, so that's a factor. But again, no matter how perfect you are, um, or no matter how, how good you do get, you will occasionally get a bad response, and you have to just kind of deal with it. That'll happen every once in a while. But as you get better and better, for that one bad response, you're going to get eight or ten girls being like, oh, I love you, you're so amazing, you're so incredible. And it certainly is a good trait. Mm -hmm. And I see so many guys that uh, take it to themselves, like, what did I do wrong? What? Uh, and we all need to understand that uh, what's in front of us, like, you can be the, the best communicator and you can walk and... Uh, sometimes the people that you interact with is not in the beautiful state, right? They can be mad, uh, something happened in their life. You don't know. You don't know what's going into their head. Maybe this Asian woman, I don't know, fi fight with their parents, left their home. So you don't really know. And we all take it for ourselves. What did I do wrong? So instead of just focusing on your head, try to really uh, be there for the other and see maybe he needs my help instead of judge the, judging them immediately, right? Sure, absolutely. absolutely. You, have, you have no idea um, what's going on. And you, you, can't control, you can't fundamentally control another person, mm -hmm. right? Like, they're going to have whatever, whatever um, opinions or attitudes they're going to have. I think my job when I walk up to someone and, like, approach them is, one, to offer value and make their life a little bit better. Um, and then, two, to make them – it's not my job to make them like me because you can't do that. You can't make someone else like you, but it's my job to – give them the right information, the right experience, that if they don't like me, it was their mistake. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, also, I want to ask you, how can you get out of uh, sexuality thinking uh, anytime you interact with a woman that you like? And is it natural to feel that every time? Or like, is it, is it natural to get turned on when you're talking to a girl, you mean? Yeah, it's like every time you're talking to women, uh, automatically you think something sexual. Um, I mean, there's probably a time and a place. Like, if, if your boss is a woman, that's probably not the best idea. Um, but in, in a situation like in a bar, or if, you're, if you're meeting someone who you are interested in sexually, I think it is good that that comes across, right? I think most guys, or a lot of guys that, that I deal with in particular, um, they have the opposite problem, which is that they talk to a girl and they're too afraid to be sexual. They're too afraid to express that they like the girl. And they end up having a half-hour conversation about the weather. Um, when really what they want to do is they want to say, hey, I'm attracted to you. Like, let's see where this can go. Um, so getting a little bit turned on is, is a good thing. I have um, I have a couple of, of my assistants that, that travel around with me as coaches that are, like, the horniest guys you'll ever meet. Right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they just 
they, they walk around and they're, they're they, they see a girl and they just they just turn around like oh god right and they're 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 very attracted. Um, I think that's I think that's a good thing in a way. Now, obviously, if it's if it gets to the point where like you, you see this girl and you just absolutely need her and like you, you lose your ability to be normal around her, that that's too far. Um, but as a man, you're supposed to be attracted to women. Like biologically, you are supposed to be attracted to an attractive woman. So when you're communicating with her and you and you want to want it to go somewhere attractive or want it to go somewhere sexual, you should be a little sexual. And if anything, she's going to feed off that energy. If anything, if you have a sexual energy, she may respond with a sexual energy and things will go well. Whereas if you have this very like boring, like professional, politically correct energy, um, she's going to respond with the same. You're going to end up with a very boring conversation. Yeah. Right? And so I yeah. think I think it's it's actually important to feel that way. It's important to take risks. Uh, again, a lot of guys. Um, one of my one of my associates who's very very good sees tons and tons of women. Um, he says when he's in a good interaction, he gets a kind of like a half a boner in the interaction. Right? He gets a little turned on by the girl. I think that's totally fine. Also, where a lot of guys when they tr- start to interact with the women, okay, and they get into a trap of their friend zone. So how can you get out of this and uh, show their like I'm a man here. I'm not trying to be your friend. We are not going to a movie. You won't go and uh, be with other gay friends, but not me. <laughs> sure. Um, so that's, that's kind of related to the previous question, which is that the, the way that guys get into the, the friend zone is by not being sexual, right? By being a little too friendly, by not being not being uh, by being too platonic, by not taking a risk, right? Um, most guys, the reason they're in the friend zone is because they could have at some point said, I like you, but they were afraid. Or they could have at some point um, stood up for their opinion instead of just giving in to her opinion, but they were afraid, right? And so essentially the reason most guys end up in the friend zone is because they're afraid of losing the friendship. Like, oh, this girl's my friend. I don't want to ruin it. Um, you have to be willing to ruin it. You have to be willing to say, hey, listen, this is the type of relationship I want is a non, not, not a friend-to-friend relationship, and I'm willing to lose the relationship in order to have the type of relationship I want. Um, and really it's, I talked, I mentioned briefly the idea of abundance, which is the idea that if you have lots and lots of friends and lots and lots of girls that are interested in you, you won't be afraid of losing a friend and you, you'll, you'll be willing to go for it and to, to say, Hey, listen, I, I, I think of you sexually. You shouldn't actually literally say that, but your actions and your, your ideas and the way you communicate with her should say that this is a sexual thing. Um, and if you lose the friendship, fine, you have other friends fine, you have other girls interested in you. And to be fair, the girl should respect you for that. Right? She should respect you for going after what you want. Um, and ideally, people always talk about how to get out of the friend zone. The best way to get out of the friend zone, actually, is to never get in it. The best way to get out of the friend zone is to just, through your life, be a guy who goes after what he wants. Right? If you if you see a girl and you think of her in a way where you want her to be your girlfriend, from the first moment, treat her as such. Treat her like you want her to be your girlfriend. Um, whereas a lot of guys are like, oh, I want her to be my girlfriend. Let me like try and be her friend and get to know her in order to become that later, right? And so they're, they're hiding their intentions because they don't think maybe they're good enough or don't think she'll like him that way. Um, and so they, they, they hold back, right? Whereas the truly attractive man doesn't hold back. He says, this is what I want. I'm going to go after what I want. Right? I think that's when you talk about masculinity. To me, that's like the most masculine quality, which is I'm clear in, in what I want and I'm willing to take a risk and go after it. That makes sense, and that decision is the decision that will get you out of the friend zone. Yes, and uh, do I, do you remember your first no? This is interesting because uh, we all remember our first uh, when we do something new, so we remember this, okay. right? So when was the first time you actually decide, okay, no more, I'm not gonna uh, settle and uh, tolerate this anymore, and I'm just gonna do it. Because until the age of, like you said, 18, you were shy, and every time you wanted to say something, you were like, okay, no, I'm not going to do it. And you had this heartbeat. So what made you follow through? Gotcha. Um, <laughs> it was tough. It was very tough. Um, I would say I had, so I, I had some soft yeses before the real yes. So I, I had two stages. So the first stage was I just didn't talk to girls at all, right? Um, and then... I went on my college visits. I went to go visit and choose what school I wanted to go to. And I, in order to, to find out about the schools, I had to talk to people that were students, right? And so what I did during those college visits was I talked to the girls that were at that school because I could, because I had a reason. I was like, hey, I'm trying to find out about the school. Can you tell me? Mm-hmm. I didn't actually show intent. I didn't actually flirt with them. But at least I was talking to girls, 
Yeah. So that was the first stage. I just realized girls wouldn't bite my head off for talking to them. And that was just, it was, it just kind of happened conveniently. It, it, it you know, I, I had, I had a good reason, even though I didn't really show intent. Um, but my first real cold approach was when I was actually in school and I was sitting around my dorm. I didn't have a girlfriend and, and I was just like frustrated and pissed off. And like, I looked around at all these other guys that, that did have girlfriends that I'm like, I'm better than these guys. How do I not have a girlfriend? Um, so I decided to go to a mall and just go talk to girls. Right. Um, and I read on the, on the internet, you know, Hey, this is one way you can beat girls, whatever. So I decided to go to the mall and meet girls. Um, and I walked around the mall for four hours and I didn't talk to a single girl cause I was too scared. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I went to the mall for four hours and I didn't talk to a single girl cause I was too scared. Um, and then what I did is I got leverage on myself. I took, there was a girl in one of my classes who, who I knew had, who I knew she liked me. Um, even though I, she wasn't like that attractive, but I liked the fact that she liked me. It made me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. So I took her with me and I told her I was going to do this. And I walked around for like three hours and still couldn't do an approach. Mm-hmm. And I felt so bad and so, so pathetic not doing the approach that I was like, I just have to do it. And then I, I finally did one. Um, and it, it didn't go great, but the girl didn't yell at me. She didn't scream at me. She, she didn't give me a number or anything, but she was happy enough to talk to me. I was like, wow, that wasn't so bad. Right. And I realized I, I had all these like, these ideas in my head of how bad it was, how awful it could be. And I got a rejection, kind of, in the sense that I didn't, I didn't succeed, but it wasn't bad. If anything, it was a very positive experience. And I, to be fair, I felt alive, like I felt excited, right? And I, I knew that I had taken a positive action. I, I, my self-esteem grew from it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a feeling that I got addicted to, right? And a lot of people, like you said, um, maybe you get like a little scared talking to girls, and a lot of guys do. A lot of guys get super, super scared talking to girls, right? I miss that. I don't get scared talking to girls anymore, and I miss it because during that first year, um, that that to me instead of being fear, it was excitement. It's like riding a roller coaster where you're like scared, but you really like that scared feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I felt. I was like, wow, I want that again. I want that it was scary, but it was interesting. It was exciting, um, and I was growing, and it was positive. Um, and I, I actually miss that to be fair. Um, but so I think for me, it was um, to to kind of unpack all that. I think one, it was having so much pain associated with not doing it that I was no longer, I was more scared of not doing it than I was scared of doing it. That was, I think, step one. Like I was more scared and frustrated with, with the lack than what we're doing. And then the second thing is taking that idea of fear and in my head, I changed it to excitement, right? I changed it from, oh, I'm afraid to do this to I'm excited to do it. Um, Cause it's really the same thing. Fear and excitement are the same thing. It's just a matter of how you interpret it, right? Are you going to roller coaster? Are you scared or are you excited? Yes. And uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what is uh, the next level for you? Like you said, it's like, okay, now you know all, like, if you want to interact with any women, so you expect everything. When, when you expect everything, you get boredom, right? Because in life, we need spice, we need variety. Uh, so what is the next thing for you? Um, well, I don't, think, I don't think anybody has completely figured out women. I mean, I think... Like I, I teach students like on a very regular basis and they get massive growth from, from working with me. And I know that when I see myself and my results compared to just about any other and my results are better, I still think there's like, we know a tiny fraction of what there is to know, right? So what's actually possible is still tremendous. Like even as, um, even as a guy that's at, at my level in game, um, I still get rejected, right? It's not like I go out and every single girl likes me. I still definitely get rejections. Um, now I get a lot of successes and I get a lot of beautiful, amazing women in my life, but I still get rejections. I can still increase, you know, my abilities. Um, also another big part of it is to get a skills in game can be used for anything, right? The same skill you can use to walk up and talk to a cute girl can be used to walk up and talk to a billionaire who you want as your mentor, or they can be used on a job interview to get you that job that you want. Right. And so there's all these other applications of game that I think are brilliant, like in negotiation, in sales, um, in social networking, getting mentors, um, all those kind of things. Um, and I think that's, that's another area that we've just only begun to tap. Right. And so, um, the great thing about learning success with women is it teaches you success with men and it teaches you how to learn a skill set and how to grow. Um, and so those are the things that keep me excited is expanding a just game itself. I'm, I'm only scratching the surface of, I think what's possible. But beyond that, all these other applications of game are, are, are beautiful and, and very life-enhancing. So, I mean, until I'm, um, until I'm, you know, a multi-billionaire sitting in, the, in, in, like, France with, like, 10 girls, like, taking care of me, 
you know, I haven't maxed out what I can do in game. When you're said that you're rejected, so when do you say, okay, I'm not gonna try it, or you're like, I'm gonna win and I'm gonna do whatever it takes until uh, I get her to say yes to me. When do you know, okay, I'm, I'm gonna leave it? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I would say that there's two ways to answer that question. There's one way to answer if you're trying to succeed, and there's one way to answer that question if you're trying to learn. Right, so if I'm if I'm going out to, to like today and I'm just going out like I go out tonight and I want to meet a girl or whatever, um, I look around maybe a nightclub and there's you know 20, 30 different attractive girls in the nightclub. Right, if one girl gives me a rejection and it seems like you know she's incompatible with me or we're not going to get along very well, I'm actually pretty willing to be like, okay, fine, never mind, have a nice night, on to the next, because I don't know that girl, I'm not that invested. And because I have very good prospects elsewhere. And I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, oh, it's not going well, I'll, I'll leave and go talk to someone else. Um, I think it's very rational. It's actually very smart, right? You you go where your highest probability of success is. Um, and so that's that's the the philosophy I take most of the time is if it's if it's you know, if if I get a, an initial negative, I'll try maybe one more time. If I get another negative, fine, have a nice night. That's what I typically do. Um, however, if I'm specifically trying to learn like I'm specifically trying to um, learn to be better at getting through rejections or I'm trying to learn a new skill, in those cases, I might push it a lot further just for the experience, right? And I think I think you should do that sometimes. I think sometimes you should push for the experience just to find out what's possible. And surprisingly, sometimes when the girl says no, 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 um, eventually, like, she, I hit on a conversational topic she likes or I say something that, like, you know, she responds to, and all of a sudden she says yes, and then the whole thing goes well. So just because you get a few rejections doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it means it's less likely, right? So if you're going to play smart and play the percentages, it's okay to Does that kind of make sense? Mm -hmm. But you, should, you shouldn't think it's really impossible because most things can be turned around, but there's a point where it's, like, ridiculous to keep trying. Yes. And uh, if you can give like uh, maybe four or five tools for guys that just starting out and they don't really know what to do, so what would it be in order to them to succeed in the first impression, first uh, five minutes conversation? Gotcha. Um, okay, so biggest things that guys miss. Um, number one, your voice and the way that you're carrying yourself. Um, your voice needs to be loud enough to be heard. Because no matter how good your game is, if she can't hear you, she's not going to respond, right? You need to be loud um, and, and get on her radar. Um, and then when she looks at you, um, the, the, the thing I would say is um, attitude-wise, if I were to say two words, it would be positive and unapologetic, right? So positive meaning you expect to give her a good experience, you expect to offer value to her, and you expect a good response back. If you if you look like you expect a good response, you'll probably get one. If you look like you're like, please don't hit me, then like you'll get a bad response, mm -hmm. right? So having that positive expectation um, really helps. So loud voice and a positive expectation, right? Believing that more often than not it should go well. The, the idea basically is, look, I'm offering value. I'm bringing a positive experience to you. So more often than not, you should respond positively. Um, that's for the first impression, right? Make sure she hears you. Make sure she sees that you expect a good response. Um, beyond that, um, the biggest mistake I see guys make right away is they're not willing to talk. They're not willing to continue the conversation. A lot of guys think they should just go, like, they go up and say hi, and then they expect the girl to talk to them. And that's a little unreasonable because the girl didn't know she was being approached. Right? You walked up and, and you know you're going to approach her. She doesn't know. She just had a random guy say hi to her. She's like shocked, surprised, scared. She needs a minute to like realize, okay, what's going on here? Okay, is this guy normal? Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So you need to be okay. willing to talk, willing to carry the conversation, for a good like 20 seconds just so that she can like become part of the conversation she can get a sample of your personality right your job really when you talk to a girl is to let her see your personality and if you just walk up and say hi and that's it she has no personality to go off you know she's probably going to reject you or she's probably going to be nervous and not know what to say if you say hi and then you tell her your opinion on something or you say hi and you tell her a good story right or you say hi and you know you comment on the situation in a way that that reflects your personality now she knows who you are, and now she can actually respond to you. And also, she's had 20 seconds just to get used to the situation and realize it's normal. All right, so that's that's the next thing I would say. So be loud, or at least loud enough to be heard. Have a positive expectation. Be willing to carry the conversation. Um, and then if I was to add a fourth one, 
it would be um, don't be afraid to show that you're a man. Don't be afraid to let her know you're interested. Because that's the fourth thing that guys mess up on is they have these long conversations that go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, it, it gets a little more a little more tricky and a little more intricate. But if you do those four things right, um, you're going to be putting yourself in a lot of good situations, a lot of good conversations, and all the other skills you'll eventually learn from there by experience. Yes. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, last questions that I want to ask you is how do you see love and relationship? It's what is love or relationship is for you? Um, it's a deep question. Um, what is love? I think love is love is where you decide that a certain person is special for you. right? So for example, for me there's there's tons and tons of beautiful women in the world. Love is when I decide that one particular one of those beautiful women, um, I, I make her a priority and make her more important than than others. Like for example, I told you I'm in a, a four year you know open relationship and whatnot, but I'm in a four year four year relationship. Um, and I've decided that that's a girl who I'm treating as special. That's a girl who I'm prioritizing. And I, I chose that because um, when I was hanging out with her, I had more fun with her than I did with other girls. And because we've had a lot of shared experiences and when we were late and now because we share a child, right? Um, but I, I, I've chosen to make her more important. I think that's what, that's what love is when you've chosen to um, prioritize someone. You've chosen to give more of your time, energy, affection to that person um, than you would to someone with kind of the same resume. Okay. Um, that's a very technical way of looking at love. Um, but I think, I think that it is important to, to make those commitments and, um, and to have that, um, to have that depth of relationship, right? Cause it's like, um, you've been with a girl for 60 seconds. You've been with a girl for a year. Technically, like it's the same girl, you know, in the first 60 seconds is a year in, but once you're a year in, you've shared a year of experiences with her. You've come closer with her. Um, you know her better, you can make a more accurate, intelligent decision about like, you know, who she really is. She knows you. Um, and it would be sad to like, as a pickup artist, it's easy to just have one night stand, one night stand, one night stand. It would be sad to have one night stands only and sacrifice the depth that you can have with someone a year in or two years in, um, and, and to, to sacrifice that connection. Right. Um, I wouldn't say that in a relationship you, you owe each other something per se, But I would say in a relationship, you're, you're more willing to give to each other because there's, there's a deeper bond and there's more value there and there's more certainty um, that, that it's a good relationship. And so over time, the relationship becomes better and better and better if it's a healthy relationship. And again, it would be sad not to have that depth. So I'm not one to think like there's one girl out there for you and she's the only one for you. Um, I don't think that. I think there are probably a million girls that could be the one for you. But at a certain point, once you, uh, or the one or the six, if you want to have multiple girlfriends, whatever you want to do. But <laughs> the point is that at, at a certain point, if you, if you just keep it superficial and don't allow a connection and don't allow depth, um, you're missing out on a tremendous part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do believe that love and intimacy and closeness are important. And actually, to be fair, um, it's the same thing with friendship, right? Like you, there's guys in the world and you decide like certain ones are your special crew of guys. It's the same kind of thing. Um, but that, that deep bond is, is a very important part of being human. Um, and there's a lot, there's exponentially more that can come out of that deep relationship than out of shallow relationships um, on a lot of different levels. So I'm, I'm a believer in love, um, but what I'm not a believer in is um, rushing into love or being needy for love um, for two reasons. One, it doesn't work. If you're needy or you're trying, if you're trying to have a girlfriend just off of a random girl, it's not going to work. It needs to be something where Uh, you get to know each other and you develop over time and, and there really is that value offered. And secondly, if you're needy and, and trying to make a girl your girlfriend, she's going to sense that neediness. And neediness is one of the least attractive things for a girl. Right? Also, within a relationship, even a loving relationship, if you get too needy and you're like, oh, this is the only girl for me and I could never be without her, that's when the relationship starts getting worse and worse because that neediness is unattractive and because you start ending up in a relationship where the actual day-to-day isn't what you wanted because you stopped standing up for yourself. So I think there's a very fine line between, um, yes, I've decided this one person is very, very important to me. And on the other hand, I trust myself and I trust my ability to meet someone else if it were to fall apart. And I think you need to simultaneously keep both, right? You need to know, you need to trust yourself and trust your ability and your attractiveness, but at the same time, be very willing to, to dive deep and, and really commit when you find people that you really like in your life. 
and don't you and don't you think it's like uh, can get you confused like okay you you find uh, a woman that you really love to have uh, and talk to and you are all uh, really bond but at the same time you you still like talking to other women maybe having uh, sex with them and do you feel uh, it, it is okay to do it or it like what is the rules in your in your perspective sure um for me i don't think that that um there's an absolute right or wrong i think every relationship is an agreement mm-hmm. right so if if you with your significant other have agreed that certain things are okay then they're okay for another relationship if they've agreed differently they're not so say for example if, if, if person a is married to a woman and they say like you know having sex with another person is wrong And if he goes out and has sex with someone else he's wrong because he entered into that agreement mm-hmm. right that's his agreement is violating that is it's a lack of ethics it's a lack of integrity it's a lack of honesty on the other hand if like I did you know I'm in a relationship but it's it's a understood that you know this is okay um, in that case there's no lack of understanding there's no there's no uh, you're not lying to your partner you're not like you're, you're really not cheating um, so I think I think it's all about the establishing a contract that works for you um, within the relationship and then being being good to that contract and the important part of that is your significant other agreed to that too and, and has to be okay with it so you need to find with your person um, what is the best way for the two of you to be together that makes you happiest and so on one hand you could say if I'm you know with someone and I'm, I'm cheating that's bad for the relationship but Um, on the other hand you could say if I'm with someone and I'm constantly looking around and being attracted to other people and I, I wish I could but I can't and I feel restricted I might start to resent the relationship so for some people um, being able to see other people might actually be a positive for the relationship um, for some people seeing other people might be negative and it just depends on your personal beliefs your personal psychology I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all solution for relationships but I think you should communicate with the person you're with and communicate and be honest with yourself about what you want and Mm-hmm. Um, and really go after what you want and communicate that to the person and find the person who fits with that. Yes, because there are so many people that are together and they can say, ah, we are together 20, 30 and 50 years, but they're just together. There is no, no connection, no nothing. So it's really, uh, a lot of people just need to really talk to each other and know their rules, their values and see how they can actually be together together. and uh, meets each other's needs because uh, in relationship I believe it's about giving not just taking no absolutely absolutely um, it's one big thing that I, I always say to girls in general especially to my girlfriend is that um, you should be together not because you're obligated to but because each and every day you want to. Mm-hmm. last questions uh, is uh, a question I always ask uh, people uh, before I sure. uh, hand the interview and Is what is the legacy you would like to live uh, long after you want to be among us in this world that's funny um, so I'd say there's there's two um, in terms of informationally um, understanding female psychology is, is part of it but really to me when I talk about like what I do um, like doing teaching teaching success with women teaching pick up that kind of stuff um, I look at it as the search for truth like the thing that really gets me is about um, about what I do is there are so many misconceptions there's such a misunderstanding of the way women think the way men think the way um, the way the whole what, what sex means um, what is attractive what's not attractive and I think of myself as like a scientist in a way is that like I'm trying to get to the truth of it and share the truth um, because when people are acting in in a world of truth there there's less conflict um, there's more happiness and Um, there's more progress those kind of things and so um, you know there's just people that research physics there's people that research biology um, I think of myself as sort of a, a scientist in relationships right and 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 the search for truth um, and so if I can if I can shed them a little more light on that and make people make men understand women a little better make women understand men a little better make make people's relationships a bit happier um, help the people that are that that, that are you That are good people who really do want a healthy loving relationship help more of those people get that I think that's that's a very positive thing for the world um, so I'd say in terms of what I teach um, that would be legacy in terms of my personal legacy I'd like to have an amazing family um, and um, give them the means uh, to, to to grow and be happy and to 
continue doing whatever their legacies are in the world for the next generation. Amazing, man. Uh, thank you very much for the time. It was really good talking to you. I learned a lot and I'm sure that all the people that are going to listen to this will learn a lot as well. So thanks Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Thank you. Feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST Factor. The FAST Factor stands for 1. Facebook Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number 2. Act Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number 4. Train others Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together and by training others you're training yourself so this is the fast factor remember it facebook act subscribe and train others oh and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your vac senses and the vac senses stands for visual auditory and kinesthetic which when you use all the three combined you remember stuff much better for more information about my coaching public speaking and taking your mind and body to all new levels check my site at lidodayan.com till then never ever forget to smile see you soon